Well, hey, welcome to the broadcast of Faith Mountain Ministries. What a wild week it's been. Let's just kind of bring it down to just where Tracy and I are. We started this whole tour on the Upper East Side of the United States uh, in Philadelphia. Went to a pastor's conference, ended up doing a conference called the Wind Conference last weekend. Had an amazing miracle happen at that conference where a man during worship who hadn't walked in years got out of a wheelchair. Nobody noticed that this had happened until they saw the empty wheelchair there. And now they call him Jumping Jeff because he is leaping and praising God. And this all happens on the day that the Israel-Hamas conflict begins. That has now thrown the world into a state of confusion. Wondering what in the world is going on in terms of biblical prophecy. Trying to understand where this is going to go or where this is heading. People are throwing the term World War III out a whole lot. But I got to tell you, that miracle last Saturday night in the middle of a news day that draws all of our attention out of the United States and to the other side of the world showed me that God is at work doing wonders and miracles and amazing things when we are least expecting it. And he will touch you personally, individually, if you'll allow him to reach your heart by simply just opening your heart up to Jesus Christ, he will give you a kingdom perspective that will transcend the fear-based news going on in the world today all around you. It's not that that doesn't matter. It matters more than you and I can begin to imagine. You know, the thing that matters more is the kingdom that cannot be shaken. From the Wind Conference, Tracy and I traveled to Connellsville, Pennsylvania, we had a wonderful time with some dear friends there, and uh, and then over to Cambridge in Ohio for a, an incredible meeting. We're just seeing hunger in people's hearts as they come to hear the gospel and to experience the presence of the Lord together. Then we uh, went last just a couple of nights ago, Thursday night, to the Unseen Realm Conference in uh, Columbus, Ohio, where I got a chance to kick that off, and all over the room, people Uh, just on their faces before God, having encounters with Jesus. God is encountering his people. And so if you approach this, uh, this podcast today with a hunger in your heart, I believe God is going to meet you here. So today, Tracy and I are in Corey, Pennsylvania, where we've been coming to for many, many years. And we kicked off the Heaven Come Down conference last night. And uh, I couldn't believe so many people from all over the place, some as far as two hours away, came to gather together to worship the Lord, to hear the gospel, and to engage with the presence of Jesus. And so we're excited about what God is doing and stirring in this day. Keep your joy high, keep your love on, and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now today, here in our studio, I have my wife Tracy with me. I'm laughing about this because (laughs) our studio is the car that we rented to take this trip. So uh, So today, the studio is a Nissan Rogue, so we come (laughs) to you from the Nissan. The Nissan studio here in Corey, Corey, Pennsylvania, on a beautiful... Mm -hmm rainy, overcast, cold day mm-hmm. as uh, the weather has turned and the trees are turning with it. And in front of us, we see trees of all colors mm-hmm. as, uh, as, yeah, you know, the seasons, seasons are changing right before our eyes mm-hmm. and that's always fun. But what's, what's God put on your heart for this, 
this season, Trace. Well, as you were talking about, you know, this journey, this particular tour that we started on, I had to take note of the names of the different events that we've been on this week as this war broke out. Um, the first event we were at was called The Gathering. So I was thinking about, you know, God bringing his people together. Uh, together. We talk about that gathering a lot. We talk about unity a lot, but we're actually still collectively so far from that unity in the body of Christ, yet things are changing and that's coming. Well, we went from the gathering to the wind conference and the wind conference, we really focused on the wind of the spirit, talking about the Holy Spirit. Bill did an amazing message on that, talking about, um, how Jesus referred to wind when Nicodemus asked, how, how, how do I be born again? What yeah. are you talking about? Be born yeah. again. Do I crawl into my mother's womb? Anyway, he did an amazing message on that. Jesus refers to the wind. So the wind of the spirit, we talked about that. And then you and I went from there to the unseen realm conference, yeah. <laughs> which we know according to scripture, you know, the unseen realm is more real than what we're seeing right, right now with our eyes in this seen realm. And they're so together and so close. And, you know, as this war broke out, you know, it it's really grieved my heart. You know, you look at the evil, the atrocities, and, you know, there's good and evil everywhere, right? But we don't want to focus on the evil. We want to focus on the good. But what do you do when you're in a situation where there are absolute, like these demonic ideologies, these demonic mindsets that would cause a person to go as far as like some of these militants that, you know, killing innocent families and beheading babies. You've heard all this on the news, like there's stuff happening. And I'm like, God, what do we do? What is the answer? Well, Bill's been talking a lot lately about um, divine synergy versus human strategy. That's right. And there has to be this synergy in the Holy Spirit, in the wind, in the unseen realm as we come together and we go away. I call it going away with the Holy Spirit. It's like surrendering yourself to the Holy Spirit and saying, come, like God, take me to these dark places. We heard a message last week at the Wind Conference by Pastor Charles Stock from Life Center here in um, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. He talked about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God hovering over the darkness. He made this statement, you know, the Holy Spirit is not afraid of darkness. The Holy Spirit is not afraid to go into those places. So I began praying and just asking God, like, Lord, go into these dark places. What needs to be done? Like, there is no human strategy that I believe is the absolute answer. We cannot do this, you know, when these kinds of situations uh, in our own strength. We've got to have divine synergy, the energy of the Holy Spirit working through us collectively. So good. Um, well, then I started to think, God, okay, Jesus, what did you put on display? What was your example? What are your words to us in these times? And I was reminded of, you know, Jesus speaking to oppressed people, and he said, bless those who curse you and pray for your enemies. And I thought, how in the world can we do that? Because when we hear of babies being beheaded and innocent families being slaughtered and hostages being taken, how do you possibly 
bless or speak good over people like that. So I was like, God, you got to help me here because, you know, everything within me wants to go. You're just like, I want to wipe these people out. They need to be taken out. <clears throat> and yes, that demonic ideology, this brainwashing needs to be eliminated. Like something needs to be done and it's got to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. So I asked the Lord, how are we supposed to bless those who curse these people? How do we pray for the enemy? So I just closed my eyes and I began to let the Holy Spirit hover over that place <laughs> and speak to me. And I began seeing amazing things in my mind. I guess you can call it the imagination, but I have to realize that we have access to the mind of Christ. So I trust that this isn't just some silly little imagination thing that happened, but it, that it is literally the Holy Spirit showing me what is possible and perhaps what God is doing. What I saw was, you know, these hostages in dark tunnels, the mistreatment happening, and in the middle of that, suddenly the oppressor having an awakening like where their, their eyes light up, their heart awakens, and somehow that heart of stone is plucked out, and somehow their brain is instantly rewired from all this brainwashing. They've been taught to hate from the very start, so it's a deep-seated thing. But what I saw is like the all it takes is the Holy Spirit to hover over that darkness, for brains to be rewired, for yeah. eyes to see, for ears to hear, for hearts to be changed and I could see the oppressor actually becoming a liberator so I began to pray in that into that and I was like God let these people see like open their eyes work on their hearts just awaken them from the brainwashing this blindness that they're walking in so that they would then turn and actually become the ones who help free the very hostages that they've taken right. and you know and then I thought about Paul in the mm -hmm. Bible, you know, he said he was the chief of sinners. He murdered Christians. He ordered yeah. the murder of people. Took families into captivity, yeah. imprisoned them. I mean, mm -hmm. Paul was Paul was as bad as ISIS or Hamas or Al Qaeda right. or the Taliban. He 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 was that kind of a person. Yeah, and God encountered him. Jesus, he has an encounter with Jesus that blinded him. For a short time, and then, you know, God works on his heart. He's like, hey, this is who I am. You got put in Jesus. time out with right. an encounter with Jesus. And then he comes out of that fully <laughs> yeah. surrendered to the voice of God. And then he begins to preach the word, you know, preach the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ and his resurrection and his power and his life. So this is the kind of thing I'm like, I got excited because I thought, this is possible and this is what is needed in this time. Like this is not something that our hatred and our outrage is going to fix. This isn't, you know, the human strategies are not going to fix this ongoing issue of hatred in this world. Yeah. So we've got to lean into, gather together, lean into the wind of the spirit, look into the unseen realm and sit with the Holy Spirit and go into those places of darkness, hover over that darkness and release life. Yeah, let and there light. be light. So I started saying, yes. as I prayed, I said, Lord, I bless the enemy to see the truth. I bless the enemy to know you. I bless the enemy to come to you. I bless the enemy to become 
a liberator, to no longer oppress, and to be as Paul had that moment, you know, where he was turned around. I think often we we look at this and maybe hear, hear what Tracy's saying and think to yourself, yes, God, may Hamas have that encounter with you. May, may all terrorists have that encounter with you. But I, I would like to take and expand that encounter to all of us. I think every one of us need that face-to-face encounter moment with Jesus where where everything that we are not meant to be mm-hmm. is exposed, dealt with, yes. and then and then eradicated so that we can all come into the truth of what God has always believed about us. Mm. And so uh, this is important. I think w- when we pray for God to encounter someone else, can we also include ourselves in that encounter as well? That, that Jesus, I want to I want to see the heart of the the most evil terrorist mm-hmm. be severed from all demonic influence to be able to see themselves as made in the image and likeness of God so they can come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But can we also pray that every part of us that is that is contrary to the kingdom of God, that is opposed to the nature and the character of God, would be exposed to the consuming fire of his love. Mm-hmm. A dear friend of mine said one time, pure gold fill, uh, fears no fire. You can't destroy gold with fire. When gold and fire encounter one another, the gold only becomes more pure. And so, yeah, I, I everything you're saying, Tracy, mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that perspective of going into that place of the spirit and declaring over uh, the enemy, let there be light, just as God hovered over the formless void, the darkness on the face of the deep, and didn't condemn it, but instead brought the glory of the Lord upon it. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 13 and 14 speaks of a world that is torn by violence and bloodshed, nations literally being formed by violence and bloodshed, filled with iniquity and people who feel like they're working for nothing. But then it goes on to say, the earth will be filled. In other words, this is God's response to a world in that condition. It says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. It doesn't say, understand, that the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Why? Because the earth is already filled with the glory of the Lord. The Bible says the heavens and the earth are full of your glory. The Holy Spirit came 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 2, and he's never left. The earth is full of the glory of the Lord. What will the earth be filled with? Habakkuk 2 says the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. We will have our eyes open to what is available that we have not seen yet, and we will all realize what we have all had access to. You think of the story of the prodigal son when the father confronts the older brother at the end of Jesus' parable, and he says to that older brother who's never left the house, he said, all that I have is yours. And he exposed in that moment that this older brother had more than he knew that he had. And it was always available to him, and he had never laid hold of what actually was his. The Bible says it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know when we see him, we'll be like him, for we'll see him as he is. 
has not yet appeared what we shall be. But the reality is the Father's always known us. God has always known who you are. And he wants to reveal you to this world by revealing himself in you. The mystery of the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you've got to believe that you're worthy to carry the glory of God. I want to just kind of go through a little bit of a history lesson with you to help you maybe understand a little bit about this Israeli and Hamas conflict. Uh, I don't claim to be an expert in any of this. Matter of fact, I'll just come right out and tell you that I'm not. Everybody on the internet cer- certainly seems to feel like that they're an expert in all of this, and I'll be the first to tell you, I, I don't know all of the ins and outs and the nuances of this entire conflict, either on both sides, uh, but uh, but I, I, can, I can read the scriptures and I can see a few things that can help to bring some clarity. One of the first things we have to understand about the ideology, like Tracy was talking about, dealing with this demonically influenced ideology that wants to completely eradicate people just for existing. Uh, the, the, the ideology between Israel and Hamas is there's no moral comparison going on here. And it has to do with the fact that you got to ask this question, what would happen if we gave Israel all of the weapons, took all the weapons away from Hamas and gave all of the weapons to Israel? Well, the answer is there would be no war. There would be no conflict. There would be peace and there would be prosperity. And Israel has proven that with the innovation that they have in the region. What happens on the other hand, if you take all of the weapons, all of the guns, all of the power, and you give it to Hamas? Well, in that case, there would be no Jews because the stated purpose of these terrorists is to completely destroy Israel as a nation. And that's an important distinction to make to help to understand a little bit about the demonic ideology here. So what we've seen in this conflict, this war, what you've watched on the news, carries global implications. But every Christian needs to pay really close attention to this. It's really clear, I think by now, that the terrorists in in Gaza that came across the border into Israel and slaughtered over 1,300 people um, these folks did, didn't have any concept that they were coming home. This was not a mission that they were uh, coming home from, I believe. Uh, it, it seems like that they had support and a commander that issued an order after years of training that sent them to die. And understand, many years ago, we remember hearing back in the 90s and early 2000s of the bus bombings. We have a dear friend in Israel who was standing at a bus stop when a, when a, a terrorist detonated himself and the bus came off the ground. Our friend was thankfully spared, but it impacted his life deeply the to this day. In, uh, the people in front of him and behind him died. In front of him, behind him uh, died. And, and that was happening on a regular basis for a while. And, uh, and of course, one of the reasons people say, why in the world is the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, why is the West Bank occupied? Why is the Gaza Strip surrounded like a giant open-air prison? It's because of the years of bus bombings that happened because they used to let people through and let people across the border. And, and, and when you 
uh, if buses were going and blowing up left and right, if trains and buses, planes were blowing up here in the United States, what happens? We tighten up security, and especially when we know exactly where it's coming from. And today, many of the young people in the generation today that are that are protesting the occupation of, of the West Bank don't remember the news about the bus bombings many years ago. There's a reason why Israel is trying to somehow keep itself safe from the terrorist mindset that is so prevalent and present within the Gaza Strip. 5,000 rockets come over those walls and into Israel, and Israel doesn't retaliate? They've been dealing with this for years. Hey, listen. And it's not to say that there's not wrong on, right. you know, there's wrong on both sides. If Georgia right and Florida, yeah. if Georgia and Florida got into a little bit of a conflict and Georgia launched 5,000 rockets into Florida, I promise you, Florida wouldn't just stand down. There would be an invasion. There'd be an all-out war. And Israel for years has, has been been stiff-armed and strong-armed by the nations who have urged restraint. And I promise, listen, if your neighbor is shooting uh, uh, into your yard, you're going to deal with the problem. And you would think anybody urging you to restrain yourself would be insane. They don't understand what you're facing. The reality is here in the West, we do not understand what these people are facing. I'm not minimizing the suffering of Gaza, Mm -mm. but the reality of the the suffering that's happening there is years in the making. And it's sad that those are innocent people that are under the control of these terrorists. So you don't do what these terrorists did without expecting to die, and you don't give your life unless you're commanded to by your spiritual leadership who blesses it. So we're dealing with a spiritual issue going on here. And of course, we know that, that that this wave of attacks that started this whole thing, you know that there's something behind this even more nefarious than we've seen at the beginning. Understanding, by the way, this conflict in the Middle East is understanding from the scriptures a sibling rivalry that's thousands of years old, beginning with a man named Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, God takes Abraham for a walk in the, in the desert at night, and he tells him to look up, and his descendants will outnumber the stars. And in Genesis chapter 16, we see Abraham and Sarah having a conversation where they decide God really doesn't know what he's talking about. He must want us to help him. He can't do it all himself to fulfill this promise because they're both old. They have no children and God's prophesied that they're going to have descendants that will outnumber the stars. So in Genesis 16, Sarah says, Uh, Abraham, go into our handmaid Hagar and have a child with her. That'll be the child of promise. And Ishmael is born. And what happens here is Abraham takes a word from the Lord, a destiny word, and he takes it into his own hands that he is supposed to do something in his flesh to fulfill that word and help God out. Uh, Abraham's actions have catastrophic consequences because the child of promise, Isaac, eventually does come forth. And when he does, now we have a problem. We have Isaac and we have Ishmael. Abraham is the father of both of them. They have different mothers. And Hebrews talks about this in these terms, that one is the mother of the free woman, or one one's mother is the free woman, and the other mother is the slave woman. And it's the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant. In the old covenant, 
you're a slave-minded people. In the new covenant, you're a son. And the thing is that the, the blood of Abraham's line is blessed by God on both sides of this. But of Ishmael, in, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 12, it says that Ishmael will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. But he still has the blessing of God upon his life. Now you might take this as an insult, but understand, in the Middle East, this is, this is understood. Arabs and Jews have one father, Abraham. But from that father came two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And the sons of Isaac and the sons of Ishmael, ultimately the sons of Abraham, have been in conflict for longer than all of us have been alive. And the problem is on both sides of the fence, their perspectives of God are warped. Why? Because you don't get a right perspective of God without, listen, Jesus Christ. Jesus came to show us the nature and the character of God. He said, I thought Israel had the right perspective of God. Israel knew God as Yahweh, Adonai, Jehovah, the great I am. But in Genesis chapter 20, verse 19, they tell Moses, after talking with God, Moses comes down and tells him, wants to be your God and wants you to be joined with him as kings and priests. And Israel says, we don't want to hear his voice. How good of a relationship is that going to be? And so immediately they'll go, they go blind. They choose a relationship where there's no voice of God speaking into their life except through prophets that they, they often uh, torture, imprison, and even kill. They won't receive the prophets. Every now and then there's a generation that repents and turns back to the Lord, and God honors his, his word over them, but they have a, a, a lifestyle of sowing and reaping, and they find themselves constantly under the hand of judgment. On the other side, you have you have uh, uh, the children of of Ishmael. They know God as Allah, but they testify of no relationship with Him, and they don't know Him as a God of any love or any grace at all. God's not loving. God's not merciful. And so you have the children of Isaac, and you have the children of Ishmael who don't know the nature and the character of God. Why? Because God's nature and character is finally revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. In Christ, we see the finished work of the cross uniting the family back together again. Not just the children of Isaac, not just the children of Ishmael, but all the Gentiles that are even outside of the family. And all of ch the children of Abraham, all who are Gentiles, are now welcome and embraced through the single doorway back to relationship with the Father named Jesus Christ. But to see that and to embrace that it requires us to let go of all of our concepts of God that do not reflect the nature and character of the Father revealed in Jesus. And to the sons of Isaac and the sons of Ishmael, I tell you, Jesus is more than just a man. He's more than just a prophet. He is God himself enfleshed and living among us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And as we beheld him, we behold the glory of God, the Father full of grace and truth. Now, by his new and living way through the torn veil of his flesh, has made us one together. So we preach unity through Jesus Christ, and unity is not an agreement. It's when one person captures the heart of the Father, lets the image and likeness of God be be shaped in them, that the character of Christ be formed in us, so that we become an avenue by which people have an encounter with Jesus Christ, because it's that encounter with Jesus Christ that'll change the world. The Prince of Peace, the one who is the Prince of Peace, who brings peace to all men, to embrace him is to let him change you. He doesn't come here just to serve you. He comes here to change you and transform you. So I invite us all, Jew, Gentile, Arab, Muslim, all of us, turn your eyes to Jesus Christ. The world depends on it right now. It's a big deal right now that we understand that the only hope for peace in this world is through Jesus Christ. We've come to the end of our time today. I want to thank you for being a part of this broadcast and thank you for listening. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem throughout the Middle East. Pray for a quick end to this conflict. We want to pray that it doesn't escalate into a conflict that finds itself on our borders. Stay sober, keep vigilant, and keep watchful. And watch all around us right now. We've had open borders in this nation for so long that we don't know who's around us, but may this opportunity be a chance for you to engage with people who've never heard the gospel before. Listen, you can write to us at Faith Mountain Ministries, Box 595, Marshall, Minnesota, 56258. Listen again at VanderbushMinistries.com or BillVanderbush.com. To support this podcast and the message that we proclaim, go to VanderbushMinistries.com and click on the Give button. This is Bill and Tracy from all of us here at Faith Mountain Ministries. Until next time, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all.